Hammer Factor episode number six. Now Since timing down to last week. Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we skipped last week. We can count differently since we're going on a green race style. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's episode four and seven. <laughs> it's whatever is higher. It's whatever place is higher. So this is episode. We've made it to twelve at this point. It's don't matter anymore anyway. In studio, we have co-hosts Lewis Geltman, Poker Maverick. Little White River Kayaker and Policy Council for the Outdoor Alliance. Welcome to the show, Lewis. Thanks, John. And also we have the Green Race's number one fan, Loop Attainment Master, and owner of Immersion Research, John Weld. How are you, buddy? Uh, yes. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you guys missed a good Green Race. I uh, finished in the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we had nobody got hurt. How many voters were in front of you? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody got hurt. Uh, We had 165 racers. We had uh, one hiker break her leg, which was kind of scary. But we did. Did anyone go over Gorilla upside down? We had two upside-down gorilla takers this year. How come they don't break their necks when that happens? Could you explain that to me? <sighs> That's a really good question. I can't explain it. So, no teeth missing? No teeth missing. Everybody paddled out. We had one broken paddle, a couple dented-up kayaks, and uh, we, uh, we had more first-time racers. Here's an industry stat for you. We had 46 first-time racers this year. <laughs> so um, that's pretty exciting. New people every year. Some more. So stuff. what 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 happened with um, Rush? I mean, I, I kind of know the story, but some people may not have heard the the big news of the race. Well, let me back up. So, uh, kind of our big goal as the race this year was to get sixty people Class Five certified. So we call it Class Five certified if you're five minutes or better in the race, which is a good time. You've cleaned everything. You've paddled well. Well, we ended up with fifty nine. And you want to know where the ball got dropped? My mm. man, Rush Sturgis. He mm. would have got us at our goal of 60 Class 5 racers. But I'm sure you've seen his video of his run by now. It's pretty infamous. And he kept us out of that 60. But I did So get... he's, you're saying he's a Class 4 paddler? I don't know what class he is. He may be, I mean. Unknown. Yeah, it's unknown. He's certainly, Three, four. He's certainly not Class 5 certified. So... As Lewis is. Okay. Lewis knows. If you ever came down, John, spectated or <laughs> raced, you may be able to get certified. Hmm. But anyway, Rush lost our bet. He was a good sport. I bleached his hair kind of blonde on the side with a pink kind of stripe in the middle. And it actually turned out pretty good. And last I heard was he went to Mexico to be in Rafa's wedding and Rafa's bride to be was not too happy with the whole situation so he may have had to i don't know we'll see how that all turns out but it was a good race everybody was safe got to come up with a slogan for number 22 that's a hard year that's uh next year mm-hmm. you should you should be uh i don't know like a canned food driver <laughs> <laughs> raising money for <laughs> textbooks <laughs> that's what we're gonna need <laughs> all right um Enough about the green race. It was too much work. I'm ready to not think about it for a while. Lewis Geltman, fill us in on Outdoor Industry Association Alliance organization. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this one. What do we got? Where are we at? And what are you... Go. You got it. Uh, Man. Well, as you guys may have noticed, there was an election last week um, where... uh, kind of sorting through, uh, and I think we will be sorting through for quite a while what the repercussions of all of that are. Um, Republican Congress starting in January as well, House and Senate. It would have been helpful, I think, for our issues had uh, Democrats taken the Senate, but they didn't. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting times uh, ahead. What directly on your plate right now do you see as be as looking differently 
than it did pre-election. So I'd say the, the two biggest things that I'm thinking about right now in terms of our work are one, this uh, movement to turn over the public lands to the states. You know, I think that we had, you know, we always had the White House basically as a backstop on some of these really extreme ideas about turning over public lands to the states, and that's not there anymore. Uh, Republicans in Congress, Republicans in the White House. Um, you know, Trump has said some things in the past that he was not really amenable to this idea of turning over the public lands to the states. But, uh, you know, it remains to be seen how how committed he is to that. Uh, he's made some some mumblings recently about, well, maybe this is a good idea. He's met with some folks who are kind of the leaders of this land transfer movement. And it's going to be it's going to be tough. You know, I think it's, it's pretty reasonable to assume that the traditional conservation community groups like Sierra club, wilderness society, kind of what you think of as being the traditional conservation organizations, they're not going to have as much influence on Republicans in Congress and in the white house as maybe they've had in the past. And, you know, we have a more bipartisan membership. And so I think that it's really going to be, super important for the outdoor recreation community to, to step up and be leaders on conservation issues because we, you know, have the whole outdoor recreation economy behind us and a more bipartisan membership. And we, you know, if we're going to kind of hold the line on conservation stuff in the next four years, it's really going to be on us to do that. You know, we have some good partners in the, the hunting and angling community. Those guys have, you know, a voice with Republicans that, you know, traditional conservation groups don't necessarily have. And, you know, hopefully those guys are going to be good allies on this stuff. I think it's going to be important for all of us to be activists for the, the issues we care about, you know? Oh yeah. Now is, now is all the more important to get on your <clears throat> sign up for the newsletters, get on board with American whitewater, become engaged. And that's the best chance that things will just continue to get better, which is what we hope. What do you think, Weld? I, I mean, I think the big thing for me is the uncertainty about, I'm th you know, I'm coming from a business standpoint, but the uncertainty of what what's going to happen over the next four years. We don't know what's going to happen. I think that's the big resounding thing. I know for clients that we've worked with really the past two, maybe really the past three years, there's been a bit of a people looking at optimistically at future at the future and options and an understanding and it seems like that has kind of now everybody is in a situation where it's like all right hold on let's see what's going to happen so you know what we're gonna see what's going to happen um you guys ready to move on from that absolutely <laughs> <laughs> if only it were that easy oh man so where am I at on my show notes here? I've totally lost it. All right, let's get right into our celebrity guest. This week, we have none other than Eric Jackson, founder of Jackson Kayaks. And what we're going to focus on here is some of the business elements of Whitewater. A little bit about EJ and how, and how he um, you know, started his business. But as John has touched on in some previous podcasts, we're going to get into the... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna just talk a little bit about the whitewater business. So let's see if we can get EJ on here. Can you hear me? Hey John, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, yeah, yes. I got you. How's it going, man? Doing awesome. Hey John. All right, Mr. Jackson, so, how are you? So on uh, on the call here we have John Weld from Immersion Research, Lewis Geltman from the Outdoor Alliance. Um, cool. Welcome, welcome to the Hammer Factor, EJ. Have you have you listened or watched any of our shows? I listened to a little bit the other day. I did. You guys, uh, I, I, you guys, uh, I got a new thing going. It's pretty cool. John Weld is like the man. He he's one of the first guys to ever interview you way back when. And I was like, what? I thought he was just some dirtbag guy. How do you get so smart? <laughs> uh thanks <laughs> this is like when you were really young and dating Kara, remember yeah i do Way remember that. i still have the cassette tapes of the interview by the way <laughs> there you go cassette yeah. tapes 
Yeah, they're little micro cassettes. I have them. Oh, I remember right. reading that profile in AW Journal. That was That's right. awesome. Yeah. And Lewis, a lawyer, unbelievable. That's amazing. Okay. Good job. <laughs> well, let's move along here, EJ. So we're gonna we're gonna start out, and as I told you in the email, we're gonna talk a, a little bit about Jackson Kayaks and you starting it, but we're gonna kind of dig into the business aspect of it here in a little bit, but. Kind of to get us get us going. Um, tell us about the transition from from being an athlete at Wave Sport and your and your work at Wave Sport to starting your own company. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I was convinced I never wanted to have my own kayak company, and the reasons were because everybody that I knew that started a kayak company stopped kayaking. <laughs> so, primarily, what I wanted to do is to figure out a way that I could extend my kayaking career and not feel like I had to stop kayaking to get a job or whatever. And uh, so I, while working at Wave Sport, I was just trying to, I was just an athlete at Wave Sport. Uh, David Knight and I designed an X-Boat. We just weren't happy with the way the, the, uh, the first four X-Prototypes were going that were being designed in Oak Creek, Colorado. And ultimately, Wave Sport made the X and that kind of kicked it off. And I followed that up immediately like it, it was really popular and I went straight to Chan the owner of Wavesport and said hey can uh I've got an idea for the Y and the Z and then triple X foreplay easy whatever I had a whole line of things I wanted to do that I proposed to them and I got a job as the designer I'm like okay cool I'm kind of securing my place where I've got a way to make money support my family and kayak all the time and of course I lived in an RV full time at the time um, and then fast forwarding a little bit, um, uh, Andy Zimmerman from started Confluence, bought Wavesport. Uh, I ended up being brand manager and designer, and I was also a sales rep. Um, I opened up the whole East Coast for Wavesport um, in the late '90s, and then, um, but then Andy sold out the company to American Capital Strategies, and they brought in a new CEO, and the CEO came to me and said. Um, and meanwhile, I just, Dane was really getting into kayaking and I designed a boat, the Ace 2.1 for Dane. I don't know if you remember the Ace series, but way back when. And I made this little bitty boat for Dane and uh, I thought it was going to be the coolest thing ever. And we'd have our wave sport have the first kids boat. And the, the CEO just kind of looked at me and said, yeah, there's no market for that. Um, and all these other boats you're working on, here's what I want you to do. Just pick one model one mold out of these seven molds that you want to make and that's what you get to do and uh, anyway to make a long story short i i quit <laughs> i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine i'm making i just made it super easy so i'm making kayaks for big fat guys but i can't make a kayak for my own son right well that didn't make any sense so screw that man i'm out of here so I quit, and I still didn't want to start a kayak company, but David Knight had already been fired by the new CEO guy. Anyway, so David Knight wasn't working for Wavesport, and him and I designed a fun one for Dane, an all-star for me. And we made up, I'm up at uh, PS Composites. Um, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Schreiner uh, made a couple of boats up there. John Weld, you were there when um, we picked them up. I don't know if you remember, we went, Yacht was flooded, and Dane and I went and tried the boats for the first time. We just after visiting you at your facility there, John. I do. Remember. But anyway, um, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. um, so we made these boats, and it, uh, and it occurred to me, well, I can't really afford to be doing this unless I sell them. And so I, that's that's kind of where Jackson Kayak came from. It was literally just uh, I was just kind of upset that. They wouldn't make this boat that was fully designed. We had a plug and everything for, for Dane. And Dane was obviously my son. I wanted him to have a kayak because I know he could kayak really good if he had a boat. <laughs> so then, um, so, uh, so anyway, that's where Jackson Kayak started. And then, um, uh, of course, I didn't have any money to start a kayak company. I had saved a little bit. Um, so I was, you know, I lived for about six months with no income. And uh, luckily, I saved a little bit of money. But, um, uh, Jesse Stone introduced me to this guy, um, Tony Lunn out of Arizona, who she'd just taken down the Rogue River 
um, with his family, and she basically said, "Hey, I got a buddy that wants to start a kayak company. Would you be interested in investing in it?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that." And I flew out to Arizona, tried to show him a business plan for like two days straight, but all he wanted to do is talk about kayaking and stuff. He literally never looked at it. He goes, "How much do you need?" And I was like, "Well, I told him," and he's like, "Okay." I'm like, so we're in? Yeah, cool. <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> anyway, that was 2003. So, so now we have a kayak company, yeah. And, but then, so anyway, back to one track, one second. I, when I came home, and I'm like, okay, and I was quitting Wavesport, because it seems like, you know, you got to start, you're going to start a kayak company, right? And I'm like, ah, I told you, I don't want to. I don't want to do that because I want to keep kayaking. She goes, wait, you mean to tell me you can't find a way to start your own company and keep kayaking? I thought you were more creative than that. She totally threw the ball in my court. And I'm such a sucker for that kind of challenge. So sure enough, I went ahead and started it. So anyway, that's how it happened. So you got, I mean, so this is, this is getting into the point that I'm, I'm most interested in about Jackson kayak. Cause I mean, I, you can't deny the impact that, that your company's had on our sport, but it's been, as a business owner, it's been an interesting path to, to be sure, because, you know, you went from a, from a, from a CEO or whoever's running um, American capital saying you're going to make one boat, which, you know, if you stand back and look at it, he's, from a financial standpoint, he's probably right. I mean, there's, there's just not a lot of money in Whitewater, and tooling costs are, are what they are. But you went on for the next few years to design dozens of Whitewater kayaks, um, yeah. which was, I mean, at the time, I remember thinking it was it was phenomenal. I mean, it was making a boat for consumers who previously would never have a boat, you know, kids and bigger people, you know, and and also for retailers, it was a boon. Um, because they had a whole selection of boats to, to attract new customers. But from a business standpoint, it just seemed to me that there was no way that that was a business model that was that was working out. Okay, so um, that's a good question. And, and um, every, every CFO type business analyst that have come in and looked at Jackson Kayak or want to give advice or whatever, yeah. the first thing they always tell, they always come to is, you know, your capital expenditures are really high, otherwise known as you make a lot of new boats and a lot of new molds, and they don't really last very long. Um, if you could stop doing that, you could make a lot more money. And um, uh, the good news is I don't listen to those people because they're wrong. Um, so it's really it's pretty simple. It comes with a couple things. One, you have to have confidence that your boat is going to do reasonably well in the marketplace. And in Whitewater, let's just put it this way, if you have the number one selling boat in a category, aka a playboat, a river runner, a river running playboat, a creek boat, if you have the number one selling boat, you're going to do really well with it. If you have the number two run selling boat, you're probably going to still make some money on that boat. If you have the number three or below, um, it's a good chance that that will not be a money maker for you. Um, and that's kind of just just the way it is. It's due to the size of the market. It's pretty small. Um, so anytime you make a new boat, you're really you're, you are taking a risk. Um, if you're not confident, you can do well with that boat. But there's another way. There's another way to look at it. Um, so if you sell in whitewater, if you your boat sales decline every year. From the first year is going to be your best year. Second year, second best year. Third year it's going to keep going declining. So let's just use simple numbers. Let's say you sold 100, 100 units out of a mold, and I'm just using that to make the numbers easy. 100 units, 100 boats of any of out of a mold in year one, you're only going to sell 60 in year two and 20 to 40 in year three or less. Does that make sense? So it's, you're going to sell a lot in the first year, less in the second year, less in the third year, and then you can maintain, you know, 20 to 30 percent of what you started with indefinitely. You know, an RPM is a good example. Wow, people still like the RPM. Yeah, but it doesn't sell very many. Um, it sold a lot in 97 and 98, 99. But actual numbers in your, your recent years, you and it's just not very many. Um, it, it does go in a decline. There are a few exceptions to that. A few slow 
boats to take off that just didn't sell very well in the first year, and people kind of discovered them. So play boats, for example, sell are really quick starters, and then they decline quickly. River runners are slower starters, but still decline. So the point is you're on this treadmill. So as a company, you're on a treadmill that's running, and your company's declining at all times. And the only way to continue to grow or just maintain is to design new product fast enough that the new product overcomes the decline in the older product, if that makes sense. And I figured that, that out um, a long time ago um, at Wavesport, looking at the numbers, that it's a simple math thing. And, and Jackson Kayak, one of the things we do do, we out-design every competitor three to one, meaning for every one mold they make, we make three. We put more money into R&D and new boats. And that is one of the reasons why you know, we're not on the, on the decline um, where a lot of brands are. It's just... They're listening to number crunchers instead of looking at the at the real numbers, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess the flaw in that logic, though, is that I think what you're saying makes sense. You're talking about two categories, let's say river running and play boating. But yeah. you you're keep separating the, those categories into smaller and smaller pieces, you know, where instead of two back boat categories, you're talking about 12 boat categories. I mean, between kids boats and kids river running boats and kids play boats and uh, you know, all those same thing for yep. bigger people. At some point, those numbers have to start falling apart. You know, well, there is, there's just, well, there's there's just there's not enough kayakers to support that. Well, there's another. Um, so as far as kayakers and kayaking goes, I mean, whitewater kayaking has been declining since um, since 2000. So the peak was in 99, 2000. So 30,000 whitewater kayaks were sold in the U.S. in 99 and 2000. 10 to 12,000 were sold last year. Okay. Oh, wow. We sold sixty. We sold sixty-five hundred kayaks in whitewater last year. Um, the only way we maintain our not declining is by increasing in our market share. You know, when companies like WaveSport just you know throw in the towel, whatever, um, the other brands luckily you know pick up some of that slack, that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, all we can do is all we can do. Um, now, it's not just whitewater kayaking, if you look at rafting, if you look at rafting numbers, if you look at all the outdoor sports, um, kind of adrenaline sports, um, it's just, is, it's a trend that's been following all the way around. The baby boomers um, were big into kayaking in the, you know, the 90s or whatever, and that's when they really hit, in the last 15 years, they've been good holding, kind of transitioning out of all that stuff. You know, um, you know, rafting numbers declined dramatically. That you know, the 80s and 90s they were the biggest, and then kind of started declining. That type of stuff. So, um, it's not um, it's not just whitewater kayaking, um, but the other way to look at it is kayaking used to have a dancer and a few other things, and people bought a kayak to do, all, like you said, to do all kinds of stuff. And now we are um, creating a lot of little niche kayaks. Um, one. If you think about it, really, we're just we're creating perfect tools for each specific thing, and um, and it makes it look like whitewater is declining. But a lot of people used to buy whitewater kayaks to do a lot of different things. Now you don't have to. Now if you want to fish out of your kayak, you don't buy a whitewater kayak. You buy a fishing kayak. If you want to um, go, you know, play around in the ocean, you buy a um, you know, a rock garden boat, you know, there, there's different types of kayaks for everything. You know, we just came out with a new Antics, a Nirvana for racing, and you could say we're segmenting it, but those boats, we don't have to redesign every three years. We can keep them for a longer period of time. Like the fun one, our first kayak, I don't know, from all I can, from, I haven't actually looked at every model, but I'm 90% sure that the longest running model of all time is the Jackson Kayak Fun One. That no whitewater boat has been sold nonstop throughout. Um, the RPM was was one of the longest, but it stopped, and then they brought it back, and then they stopped, they brought it back. But anyway, um, a boat like the Fun One, you don't have to redesign. So we 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 didn't redesign that boat, and the reason is because there's no competition. So um, when we segment and make these crazy little niche boats. If you really look at them, we don't actually redesign them. We haven't redesigned the fun one or the super fun since 2007, for example. You know, there's boats out there, uh, the dynamic duo, the tandem kayak. You know, you, you design it once and it goes for a long time. 
So when we design some of these niches, even though they operate at kind of a low level of sales, they're not like big sellers, they sell enough to be to do what they need to do and they kind of, you know, fill in Jackson Kayak and you know keep you know we have a lot of little a lot of fingers and a lot of different pies that help us, you know, keep keep our sales going, I guess. So let me let me maybe rephrase the question a little bit. You I mean when you started Jackson, it was you know, it was you were pretty vocal about maintaining a core whitewater brand. Um, right. I mean, do you think it's possible that you could have maintained that uh, all till today? Because I mean, obviously now you make a, a, you know, not only kayaks for outside of whitewater, but you make other plastic products as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, from outside appearances, you're doing, you're doing that to shore up your whitewater business. No, the, um, it had nothing to do with shoring the whitewater business. Um, uh, I mean, could could you, you continue know, just, to just make, know, could you continue to be a whitewater standalone whitewater company? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The um, and just just to, for the record, if you really look back, and um, a lot of people took it that way, but if you look back, I never said we we're only going to make whitewater boats. Um, the my actual line was, I'm going to make whitewater boats until we we're number one in market share, and I'm a hundred percent sure we can maintain a number one market share position. With that, and and go into something else, not be distracted and lose that. Like the white water is what I'm most passionate about, and I want to I want to do a good job with that. I want our kayaks to do great. I want our brand to be there. Whitewater kayak business can be standalone, but it is a small business. Um, you know, uh, we're less than five million a year in whitewater sales, and. Um, you have to be lean and mean. There's a lot of money that goes into making the boats and everything. You got to be really lean and mean to to make it as a whitewater-only company. And um, you can't do like you know, Wavesport went from five million when I was brand manager there. They were five million. The, the year after I left, they were at four. Two years later, they were two and a half. Um, as a standalone company, you can't go from five million to two and a half million and 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 make it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of challenges with that you know you've got to you you've got to maintain enough revenue otherwise everything falls apart um but jackson kayaks revenue from 2004 you know grew every year um and it's been been plateaued now for a few years but um but we're you know we kind of there's a glass ceiling in whitewater right now there's only so many units being sold and you know we're doing a pretty good job with market share um yeah, we could run a standalone business with Whitewater if we wanted to, but you know me, man. I want to do other stuff too. <laughs> so we talked. I mentioned this briefly at OR this summer. Um, when you started Jackson Kayak, I think there was a lot of people who were scared that you were going to do it uh, direct as a direct business, not through retailers. Um, is that something that you wish you could have revisited and do again, or are you happy the course that things took, or? No, that's um that's a good question. You know the um, if you look at the Jackson Kayak business model, we were um, we're the perfect business for a direct sales business. Meaning um, uh, we we market to the to the direct consumer. We don't um, we don't advertise. We had no advertising, no sales reps, and no trade shows when we started. It was uh, team marketing. I wanted to eliminate. Seven percent that we you, that people paid independent sales reps. I wanted to eliminate the advertising costs that were really high and trade show costs that were really high that the other brands were doing, and I wanted to put that money into our team, our top athletes doing a great job out there, and those guys and gals marketing and spreading the word. Um, that's a very good model for direct sales. Um, but I had a really strong network of of dealers. I had eighty plus whitewater dealers that, that did a really good job around the country that are good friends of mine. And that I, I realized that, you know, the, the dealers, you know, just me and my team can only do so much. Those dealers are out there um, in their shops. They're, they're marketing. They're doing the job. They're putting people on the boats. They're teaching people. They're doing video premieres and creating a real community and really answering the hard questions that you need to be on site for. And um, uh, and it was it was clear to me that we would never be nearly as big um, being a direct sales company. So we decided to that working with the dealers is the way to go. And to this day, we're 
you know, we're still a hundred percent all about that. And it's still the, the direction that we'll, we'll continue in the future. I don't think there's a whitewater kayak company truly can, can succeed without, without a dealer base myself. So, I mean, so from a day-to-day basis, it seems like you're getting more involved with kayak fishing. I mean, from that's what it seems like your your attention's been for the past year or two. Would you say, would you say that's true, or are you still involved with Whitewater a good deal? Uh, not just kayak fishing, but fishing in general. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the um, fishing is um, professional tournament fishing is my next 25-year career. Yeah. Yeah, so um, basically, um, uh, you ever hear of this guy, Kevin Van Dam? Uh, yeah. No. Anyway, he's just like, look him up. He's like a badass tournament fisherman, like the most successful of all time. But anyway, um, I want to be the Kevin Van Dam of fishing one day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that, that's my current objective. Um, participants. So, but yeah, terms so, of, so as yeah. far as whitewater, so as far as whitewater goes, so there's no question. Um, uh, I I still I've got about 100 days in my whitewater boat this year. So um, uh, I've averaged over 300 days in my whitewater boat for about 30 years now. And uh, I've averaged over 30 new rivers a year for the last 30 years as well. Um, this year, I've only got a couple new rivers in and I'm a third, I've done as third as much whitewater kayaking, um, but I'm still very involved. I think 100 days is a respectable amount of whitewater kayaking. But with that said, um, I don't need to win another fib arc, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need to win another great ball race. It's like, so, but I'm really excited to win a pro bass tournament on the FLW tour, dude. I'm telling you. It's so so let's, let's talk about Jackson kayaks in terms of it's pro. I mean, it's, it's brand image. I, I mean, I think you guys, people, I don't know they primarily see you as a white, as a, as a playboat company, but that's obviously, I think your strong suit is, is playboating. Um, <laughs> that's what, funny. what do you, what do you, I mean, Grace or Geltman, would you guys disagree with that as sort of Jackson's strong? Oh, yeah. you play? Well, if you look at if um, I mean, I certainly mean, from a mark from a well, first I'd say that's like, um, yeah, no, we're an all around we're an all around company. Um, obviously, obviously, uh, I'm just, yeah, yeah, we've won. Um, you know, Jackson kayak boats have have won um, the largest percentage of creek races over the the last five years. Um, wait, we've run. Say, we've done more. Say, would you say Dane has won the largest percentage of races? <laughs> <Well, Dane>, <laughs> hey, I've won a few. Nick's won a few. We've had a, we've, you know, over the years. Dane's won a lot. I mean, Dane's the man to beat, but um, there's no question about that. Uh, so, so, the um, more expeditions. Oh. I mean, people don't people don't talk about Ben Stokesbury, Chris Corbillick, and stuff like that. Nobody compares on expedition. There's nobody's even come close to them in the last 15 years. Non-stop, multiple world expeditions and some of the toughest expeditions in the world they do non-stop um jackson Pi- jackson kayak is an all-around company with all-around boats there's well, no question that there's no yeah, question that our, let's but let's but the question about playboating wasn't so much about your your variety of products but more about your thoughts on on playboating and i definitely want to get back to your, your team athletes because that's another well, well everybody else bailed on, on a lot of companies were, were bailing on playboating in part because freestyle kayaking is tough to compete in as a company. I mean, but do you um, think as a sport, freestyle kayaking is is doing well, or is it kind of devolving into its sort of an incestuous, smaller and smaller group, kind of like slalom did over no, the past? Like, few years? No, free, um, freestyle. I mean, playboating in general. So playboat playboat sales um, have been playboat sales have grown every year since we started for us. Um, last year was the first year our river run, like our Zen outsold our Rockstar, for example. And, um, and the Zen was the best selling river runner on the market last year. But, um, uh, for us, there's no question that we sold and we didn't sell the, the rockers didn't sell great. We sold. Okay. The villain sold pretty good, but not great. Like we had other, we were not the number one selling Creek boat out there until the Karma came out. Um, and the, uh, so our playboats really carried Jackson kayak for a long time between the fun series and the freestyle kayaks, the all-star, the rock star. Um, but so we're very interested in, in freestyle kayaking. I mean, I love freestyle. Um, my whole family loves freestyle. Much of our team is big into freestyle. Our customers are into it. 
and of course, or play boating. Um, and people like getting new fun boats that can do new cool things. And we, we want to deliver that, you know, we want, we want to win the world championships and, but do you think, I mean, do you think, do you think freestyle still is meaningful to the everyday paddler as it was five years ago in terms of freestyle competitions and things like that? Or do you think it's becoming just a a smaller sport that's off to the side? No, it, it absolutely is. There's no question that, um, uh, there's there's trends going around you know creek um, creek racing is becoming more prominent than uh, than it's been you know people are paying attention to creek racing mm-hmm. um, so uh, uh, that's that's starting to see a surge and you know fast boats boats that are go fast you know that was nobody cared about a boat that went fast you know ten years ago you know your creek boat didn't need to be a good racer ten years ago it needed to be a good creek boat now it needs to be a good creek boat that goes fast. So um, that's that's a new trend, and um, so there's definitely um, there's definitely a trend towards that. And anytime you ha- you have a trend, there's uh, there's less people paying attention to uh, to other things. Um, ultimately, freestyle numbers are holding pretty steady. Um, they're growing in Europe. Um, they're steady in the U.S. Um, our playboat sales have been over the last five years, pretty continuous, you know, we, we pretty much know what we're going to expect. So, um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're solid. And, you know, if, if we didn't make playboats, um, we'd be a lot smaller company, put it that way. So getting back to your, let's talk about your team for a minute, because earlier talking about, you know, you're, you're starting out Jackson with a small budget and then the necessity to be lean in whitewater. And Lord knows, I know that to be true. Uh, you have a, a gigantic team, I mean, gigantic by paddle sport standards team right now right. that's what that's probably the best funded team in, in in the industry um what's what's the thinking behind that i mean i personally look at that and think man that's 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 a that's a costly and you know difficult investment yeah the um well uh let's say you know one ad and a full page ad and outside magazine is thirty thousand dollars um our team gets multi-page articles all the time and you know not that we would do a full page ad because it's 30 grand and who listens to an ad anyway our team does a really good job of selling our boats and our team is um keeps the dealers fired up keeps the customers fired up shows people what our boats can do get a lot of great content out there Um, our sales are directly responsible to that so our team is where we get our sales no team no sales was that team budget possible was that team budget possible before you started making kayak fishing boats and coolers and yeah. things like that? And our I don't, I don't budget, mean this discouraging way. Our, yeah. No, our whitewater team budget hasn't increased by a penny since uh, since we started um, fishing kayaks or whatever. Our whitewater team budget is paid by whitewater. We segregate out our, our brands by um, uh, our categories by um, and our budgets by categories. So. Um, we monitor what we're doing with whitewater, what we're doing with fishing. So anyway, um, we try to run each one. And so fishing isn't like keeping whitewater alive, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems it seems like, I mean, you look at other brands like Wasteboard or Dagger or Liquid Logic, it seems like they got to a point where they weren't, they were so top heavy, they had to be, they had to be acquired by somebody to pay the bills, you know? Um, yeah. do, you, do you think that's a, a common problem in, in boat building and whitewater boat building? Well, like I said before, if you don't have the number one selling or number two selling boat in the category, you're not making money. So if you're going to be in the whitewater business, you better have the number one or number two selling boat in each category. So if you're number three or four, you know, if you're, you're the number three best selling creaker, well, that's bummer. I mean, it's you know what's what I mean? The, so, what's so that's the, what it comes down to. You have to do it right. You have to make the right product and you have to sell it right. You have to have the right dealers selling your product, you have the right team, you have to make your product right, you have to support it right, you have to do the warranties right, if somebody breaks a boat, you got to replace it, you got to take care of the customer, you can't act like a corporation, you got to know what's going on, and if you want to know what's going on, you can't be sitting in an office somewhere, you've got to actually be out there, you got to have eyes and ears on the ground at all times, that's what our team does, that's what I do, that's what my family does, that is how you you make it work, basically it's, it's a really, it's, one of the hardest businesses in the world is selling whitewater kayaks. So if you're going to be in the whitewater kayak business, you better do it right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is that's e- true. E- you've obviously figured out a way to make it work, EJ. Where do you uh, 
Where do you see growth coming from just in whitewater, not, not the other, not, not kayak fishing or some of the other mm-hmm. disciplines? Like, where do you see, do you see whitewater growing again at some point? If so, where do you see that coming from? Yeah, so first, um, absolutely, whitewater still has plenty, has plenty of room to grow. The um, first, you have to define whitewater. And um, the more you know about whitewater and the more, uh, the more when you talk to, like, quote-unquote, core whitewater boaters, um, you know, is class one moving water whitewater? Is class real easy, class two with your spray skirt off? You know, um, where you never learn to roll is that whitewater. Um, one of the challenges that whitewater has is that, and one of the reasons you see existing whitewater kayakers that disappear and don't you don't see them on the river anymore, because it's only cool if you're like pushing the envelope. If you if you were once running you know, five plus this or that, and then you get to the river with your buddies or whatever, and they're not doing that. People are all about, you know, shaming people out of, you know, like, hey, dude, you're a pussy or whatever, whatever, whatever. And guess what? That person's gone. So anyway, the, um, uh, so one of the challenges with whitewater is first one, defining what whitewater is. If you really look um, whitewater sails, you can put a lot of white, a lot of sails of kayaks that are being used in whitewater into the whitewater category and, and realize that whitewater isn't doing poorly. Um, but what's happening is that, that we don't even categorize ourselves, those boats, as whitewater kayaks. And therefore, um, those sails aren't even recorded in the category of whitewater. You know, we're really focused on the upper tier. The upper tier is going to be tough to grow. You know, it's a it's a pretty hard place to to aspire to for most people. But the very lowest levels of whitewater kayaking, there's a lot of room for growth. Um, and can the upper tier grow? Yeah, it can grow. But um, uh, so when you guys when you guys make a boat that uh, somebody would want to take down the French Broad through Asheville, or just some. Gentle moving class one two water, you know, one of the boats with the big cockpit rim and whatever. That's not yeah. that's not a whitewater boat. It, when we you don't, do now we call that as a recreational boat or whatever. So there's a lot of boats that that we fall under our recreational category that are being used as whitewater boats. You know, ten twenty years ago they would have been called a whitewater boat, um, or people. Um, I mean, there was no that type of boat didn't exist, but. People that person would have bought a whitewater boat. So um, that's one of the things that people don't understand. Kayaking is growing. Kayak sales are growing every year. It's constant, been growing nonstop. Um, the current rage in kayaking is kayak fishing is growing. People don't understand that because kayaking is growing, but we're all we're creating so many of these niche categories that everybody looks at like they they. Their definition of what is a, ki- a whitewater kayak becomes narrower and narrower. Right. And if you if you would narrow down the whitewater kayak definition, it's going to be hard to grow it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so anyway, if you ask me whether whitewater is healthy, whitewater is very healthy. There's places it's not so healthy, like New England and upstate New York tanked and burned like 15 years ago. I don't know. Why is that? that I, I I noticed. <laughs> I mean, what happened there? I, I, uh, Exactly, I don't know. I actually have no clue. We used to have great um, business up there. It is gone. I mean, it just doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. It was. It was one of the top. It was one of the top, if not the top, market for a long time. Yeah. Well, maybe someone will write in from New York and tell us what happened. Yeah. What's that? So maybe someone will write in from New York and tell us what happened. Yeah, maybe that'll be the topic well, I mean, for the next. I have, I have some theories, but anyway, well, let's hear a theory. What would a theory be? On New York, in upstate, in New England, the uh, uh, a lot of things happened. Number one, um, when it really started tanking, um, dealers in New England, New Englanders are um, uh, they're they're not as good at multitasking. Just as a demographic, they're they're pretty straight shooters and. Anyway, multitasking is, I would say, is 
tougher from the New England men mentality. When whitewater kayak companies, they all all the brands became conglomerates. You know, Perception became a, a multi, started recreational kayaks. Dagger started recreational kayaks. Then they got bought out, and Confluence was formed. All when when all the whitewater kayak companies were no longer whitewater kayak companies. And the important part, when the sales reps that were selling whitewater kayaks in New England, and all they sold is whitewater kayaks, New England did well. If you actually look at the timing, New England and upstate New York declined. It's directly related. It's directly along the same timeline that all the conglomerates started and the same sales reps were saying, hey, we got the newest, latest, greatest recreational kayak. You should check this out. And those New Englanders took it, ball and ran with it. They're like, oh, we're going to run this way now. And they literally ran that way, and they left Whitewater behind. And so what happened in New England was the dealers started to, were listening to the manufacturers. You know, the sales reps only have so much bandwidth, can only say so much and have so much time. The dealers only have so much bandwidth. And when they were looking at it, they're like, wow, this looks like the newest, latest, greatest. And they would run with recreational kayaking, and they literally just left whitewater behind and one store after another like oh this recreational kayaking thing's doing really good i'm don't even need to sell whitewater anymore and and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and it just kind of you know zora outdoors one of the holdouts and but most of new england really just kind of disappeared so, maine doesn't even have a whitewater dealer <laughs> so, so do you think is down up there or do you think just sales are down up there sales are way down everything's the number of dealers is like you know, there's probably a tenth the number of dealers there were in 1995. Yeah, yeah. it's probably ten times more dealers in 1995 than there are right now. Big dealers. Yeah, the ones that are yeah. left are going to like zip lining or something weird like that too. They're not really. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you think about what do you think about disc boat discounters or people who are store? You know, and you were in the industry, so we know there's you know there's people who get labeled as yeah. discounters. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a very simple theory, and and you're, this podcast is obviously going to the kayakers, the end users, yeah. and this is for you guys out there. So, uh, uh, I'm a. I believe that the real price first whitewater kayaks. You know what they should cost? A whitewater kayak should be fifteen hundred dollars. That's what it should cost. Anything less than fifteen hundred dollars, if you are a whitewater kayaker. You should be like, man, this is awesome. We're getting them for only $1,200. We're getting them for $1,100. If you look at the numbers, no person in business would suggest that the retail price of a kayak, whitewater kayak be only $1,200. Forget like $900. Like, what are you thinking? There's a reason. So a dealer, for a dealer, a dealer needs to make enough money to stay in business and provide the services to get the job done. Discounters, um, the people that buy boats at wholesale, and then instead of selling them MSRP, sell them way below MSRP. Um, they are doing a disservice to the whole industry, including the manufacturers. Um, you know, the, how good the kayaks are that people can buy, what kind of service, how many dealers there are, all that's directly related to whether there's discounters or not. In fact, there's a, there's a study about customer service or about a consumer satisfaction for um, for for auto dealers, do you know that the low the it's a direct and inversely proportional between the price you pay for your new car and how happy you are. In other words, people who bought a brand new car at the lowest price are generally less happy with the dealer and the service of the dealer than people who paid you know closer to um, sticker price. And the reason is simple. A dealer can't afford to service, you know, if they made $100 on a $30,000 car. Well, we can't do a whole lot for you with that 100 bucks, you know. But if they made a couple thousand dollars on it, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do that oil change for free. We'll take care of you. And that's the same with a whitewater shop. Um, you know, somebody sells a $1,200 boat, they make three, dollars $400, and, that's, and then they got to pay shipping and blah, blah, staff and everything else. There's not a lot of money in it, so um, we Jackson Kayak doesn't sell to discounters, um, and we don't. We encourage all of our dealers to sell MSRP, um, and we try to make the boats as cheap as we can. You know, twelve hundred dollar boats is is the best we can do and make a great boat. 
do you guys worry about someone coming into the into boat building like a young upstart and and uh, and doing a direct sales model and coming in and offering a better product for less money or is that do you think that's an unrealistic well, expectation given the finances of bow building and really wondering you, who on well, earth could, would, with that you, kind of you, money would do that well, you can't you can't offer a better boat for less price even as a direct sales model unless your unit sales are high enough and the only way to get your unit sales high enough are going to be uh, a, a lot of marketing and really a, a, enough product to really get get the thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end of the day, that's going to roll back into the cost of the product. Uh, the, the dealers are the cheapest way to deliver a kayak to a new customer in an effective way. The direct sales model um, can be done. You know, Liquid Logic did it, and, and um, I think it's great that they tried that out. And um, you know, now you look at them; they've just opened up. Colorado Kayak Supply, and you see them going back to the, I don't really know what their plan is, but um, uh, it'd be pretty lonely out there as a manufacturer without the, the dealer network. This isn't something that, Whitewater Kayaks, it just, there's too much involved, you know, is this the right size for me, or should I try, well, let me demo and find out, what, I'm sorry, we're a direct sales, you know, company, we can't help you with that. <laughs> In other words, um, personally, I think um, there's ways around it, and I'm, uh, you know, kudos for Liquid Logic for giving it a go. But if you're asking me, um, uh, the the last, I, I, I'm way more. I, I'd be way more worried about a, a startup company that was planning on using a dealer network than going direct. Hmm. Let me ask you this, EJ. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time here in a little bit. But I got a. What do you What do you consider your biggest business success? Um, well, I mean, honestly, my biggest success is the fact that I'm. I'm able to run this business as a as a family business with uh, great people. You know, my whole family works with me, my kids, and the fact that uh, you know they're doing really well and they're integral parts of the business. So that happening for me, for me is for me personally, my the biz, business biggest success I've had with Jackson Kayak. Um, as far as like what a business person would look at. Um, uh, Everything we started off with Jackson Kayak in the beginning, um, we held true to. Um, you know, the, the customer is number one. Um, we want to uh, we want to design great product. Um, we're going to be a we're going we're going to be a brand that's going to do what we think is right. We're going to design um, boats for people, regardless of whether or not anybody says it's the right thing. I mean, I'll put it in perspective. When we started Jackson Kayak. Of my 80 dealers, when I, I called every dealer individually and said, we're starting, I'm starting a kayak company. It's going to be called Jackson Kayak. Our first boat is going to be a fun one for 30 to 80 pound kids. Do you know how many of those 80 dealers, all my, my only, my prospect list said, good, good idea, I'm in? Zero. <laughs> I did not have one dealer tell me that I should start a kayak company. Everyone said, we don't need another whitewater kayak company. I had zero people say yes, start it. Um, it's usually a good sign. And then, and then I, had, <laughs> and I had zero, and zero people said the fun one. There was a market for the fun one, and a lot of them said if you come out with a fun one, we're not even going to sell it. Um, we, and a lot of them did say, hey, if you end up doing it, okay, we'll bring in some boats or whatever, whatever. But a few of them like, anyway, that's so for me. The biz, biggest success was that I had an idea of how I wanted the business to go, which is I wanted to reach people that don't normally have a voice in Whitewater that aren't 5, 10, 31 inch inseam, 10 and a half foot, 180 pounds, which is pretty much what every, the, 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 the core market that people design to. And I'm gonna go outside of that market to the small side and the big side, um, six sizes of the fun series. Nobody's even come close to that. I mean, so. Um, it, just to reiterate, you say that that those that's that if that's a sound financial decision. To oh make my God, that's the number one reason we're successful. Period. So when you make but, a fun one, when you make a fun one, everybody that buys a fun one is a fan of Jackson Kayak to the nth degree. Why? Because you're the only one that would do it. When you make a super fun that nobody else would do, everybody that paddles a super fun is a fan of the Jackson Kayak to the nth degree. And guess what? But you they can't bring those. You can't bring that in the middle of the bank. <laughs> they tell all of their friends in the middle. They yeah. tell all their friends in the middle, dude. Jackson Kayak took care of me, and guess what? Our best marketing are the big guys 
and the, and the and the parents of the little kids. So those people in the middle. Um, they, so, why is it, so if it, the math is easy, why isn't Confluence doing it? They just not care enough to, about the industry to do that? Or what's, I mean, why because hasn't someone made a kid's book before? Because their uh, CFOs have way too much power there. They need to be listening to kayakers, not CFOs. <laughs> There's some, you, the numbers, actually, when you look at business numbers, you can't, there's, there's, there's psychology. There's so many different things that go into a small market thing like whitewater kayaking. In order to be successful, people need to want to buy your boats. You need to give them a reason to want to buy your boats and you need to never give them a reason not to buy your boats. And you can't do that with a spreadsheet. No, I mean, I could say for sure, like I said at the beginning of this, there's like no question. Your, the, kids, the, the, your kids stuff, John Weld, IR. Not, yeah. You made, you made Dane's uni suit when he was a little boy. You yeah. made him like all kinds of gear. Yeah. You you outfitted Dane Jackson as a little kid, like you were the man. You were the only yeah. one to do it. And uh, so anyway, um, and you're still here in business. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky, I guess. <laughs> well, like I said, there's no question what Jackson has provided for the industry has been irreplaceable. Uh, yeah. I mean, finances aside, you know, it sounds like it's working out, but. That alone has been a phenomenal boon to our sport. So, yeah. um, and one thing I really, one thing I really got out of this podcast was I always I have heard from what do you call them the industry pundits for so long how whitewater is declining, whitewater is on decline, and I go out to the river here in Asheville and I see more people. It's like a traffic jam of people putting their boats on the river um, to go down certain sections. But what really resonated was the niche, what, you know, what people bought a dancer for and where they used it, that was all whitewater. And now right. people are grabbing those other boats and they're categorized, they're moved over to recreational or moved over to whitewater. And to me, Very that makes good. a lot of sense to what I see on the rivers around me. Yeah, the dancer's been split into 10 pieces and they expect the one piece that they call core whitewater class three, four, five as the only part of the dancer that they're going to count. You can't really do that and expect it and, and really get real numbers. Um, the health of the sport is there. Whitewater kayaking is alive and healthy. Um, you just need to be careful how you define it. You know, if you, if you narrow down the definition, you, 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 you depress yourself. You're like, man, um, but the reality is, you know, if you, you go to the, you're, even class five, you go to the Green River, that's busy river, you know, your local river there in Asheville, um, class five run, way more people run the Green every day today than they did 20 years ago. Yep, yep, there's no doubt. 170 racers for sure. All right. Good job. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, let's, EJ, while we got you on the phone, let's jump into our rants and raves. So every show we end on a rant <laughs> or a rave. So, uh, being that you're our celebrity guest, give us a rant or a rave. Anything you'd like to really, really cheer about or anything you'd like to really pick apart a little bit? <laughs> Product, an well, athlete. Well, I, 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 I grew up with... Like uh, Rush Sturgis, for instance. <laughs> no, no arguing and no complaining, man. That's what I grew up with and that's what I taught my kids. So there are no rants around me. The... Uh, uh, well, actually, I will rant. Where the hell is the raid, man? <laughs> I live in the southeast. I live in Tennessee, and this is the driest, uh, driest fall I've ever had. Um, looks like we do have rain on the forecast. I expect it's going to be a killer winter, so my rave is going to be when it starts raining, there's, I'm going to be whitewater kayaking a lot, so somebody please make it rain so that I can go whitewater kayaking a lot. Yeah, I'll second that. Rant or rave, whichever that was, it needs to rain. I'm in a good, well, I'm ranting about the rain, but I'm raving about the fact that when it does rain, it's going to be epic whitewater kayaking. My new Nirvana is going to go hit. I mean, we're going to go race down Bear Creek so fast. I can't believe it. Is that scary? I didn't even see that. Uh, all right, give us a rant, Weld. What you got? You always got a good rant. Oh, the rant? Oh, it's easy. Uh, the timing at the green race. I was ninth place. I may have been the 12th fastest racer, but I still got ninth place, and I'm claiming it. Top 10. 
<laughs> yeah, I got I got to jump onto Welch rant here for a second to. I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous oversight on your part to not well, have that laser here. timing set up correctly. Well, I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate EJ for coming on the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, EJ, you got anything you'd like to add before we before we end this podcast? Thanks for inviting me to Hammer Factory, guys. Good hanging out with you, Louis Geltman. Miss paddling with you. You John, too, EJ. Well, keep up the good work, and <laughs> Thank you, John Grace. Keep up the good work, Hammer Factor. Talk to you later, man. All right. All right, guys. See you, guys. We'll see, see you. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, later. So there we go. That's Hammer Factor. I don't want to hear about my timing, dude. You know what? I'm